Read in the and bed. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Andy. What are we doing today? Reading in bed. Yes, now, anyone's wondering, it is definitely episode 40 today, not 39, as I incorrectly advertised last month, didn't I, Amanda? Yeah. I think once you get to a certain age, though, you forget. Oh, bloody old hell, yeah. It's like I think I'm 28 now, I'm sure I am. You know, you're 82, aren't you? Do you want to live? <laughs> Do you want to live beyond this episode? Um, no one's wondering, <laughs> this might be the final episode of Amanda You're Ma- next. And Amanda, Amanda might become like a widow by the end of this episode, like you said, she's 82. But anyway, seriously, I am Andy N. And I'm Amanda Steele. Yeah, what is Reading in Bed, Amanda? It's a book review podcast. Yes, and that's important. This is definitely episode 40. We've been going for three and a half years now as well. So anyone knows what we do? We used to, Amanda, didn't we? Read books together sometimes, but we haven't done that recently, have we? So No, we've got something lined up for next month, but this month yeah. we haven't done that. Yeah, we've got three books each this month, so... and. What do we do before, Amanda, before we do that? What else happens we, before Borrows? We ramble on for 10 minutes. <laughs> 10 minutes? <laughs> 10 minutes? <laughs> no comment. Okay, ladies first, because I know the lady has news. Okay, so the most important news is, and this is urgent because you've only got till the 7th of April, if you're listening before then, is you might have noticed on the Reading in Bed group on Facebook, I've posted a link to nominate my anthology, which is called Words to Remember, a printed words anthology. And if you want to nominate that in the Sabotor Awards for the best anthology, that would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, it really would be by both of us, because both of us would be very, very grateful on that. And why should people be nominating us, Amanda, for that? Because we've raised money for different cancer charities, even though it was in the midst of a pandemic. And we've also got 43 fantastic readers in the anthology who have all been amazing, sending the work in and publicising it and making it as successful as it was. Yeah, so good anthology. For us and them, it really, the, we all really deserve it, I think. Yeah, yeah. And um, at the moment as well, with printed words, there is the new anthology, Amanda, which you're still taking submissions for, isn't there? Yeah, this one isn't a charity anthology. This is a paying one, but it's a royalty split only. And it's crime and horror-themed stories and poems. Yep. And, and if, uh, you go to, if you go to the printed words page on Facebook, you'll be able to find a link and that'll give you all the details. Yep, check it out, guys, definitely, because I've seen some of the the submissions come through. I've some stuff through as well this time as well. Okay, what other news have you got, Amanda? I have two things that are on pre-order at the moment. One is not coming one. out. Not one. Now two, but I'm just two. saying one of them. One of them is coming out. I think on the tenth or the twelfth of April, and that's a novelette which is about fifteen thousand words long, and it's a story about gay aversion therapy. And even though it's fiction, it is based on fact and inspired by fact. So I think it's got a really important message in it. Yeah. Now, it's quite an interesting story behind this piece. So everyone's wondering, what made you write this piece originally, Amanda? So as you know, my brother decided he wanted to be a woman. And we won't get into all the reasons and the whole story behind it and everything. But I wrote a poem. And then I read it out at our group call where we go to in Stockport and somebody who I won't name um, suggested a show on Radio 4 where someone had been a guest talking about like LGBT aversion therapy. So I went and looked into that and I just found the story interesting enough. And it was around the time I had to write 15,000 words for my creative writing masters. And I just thought this is going to be the story that I write. Yeah, I, I've not read all this myself yet, but it's, it's certainly, anyone knows Amanda's writing. She is a chameleon and never sitting still with writing anyway. Don't you really, Amanda, change the styles? This is something, what I've seen, it's completely different to you, and I'm looking forward to, to reading this, definitely, with that one due course. So so that's out, out shortly. And what else is coming out, Amanda? 
the following month, around the middle of um, May, my Hope and Magic book is coming out, which was previously three short novellas in the series, and I'm putting all them together in a full-length novel, and I've re-edited it, and that's coming out. I'm really pleased with it. I don't yeah. have to do too much with it, actually. Yeah, it's interesting, because uh, everyone's worried about your Hope and Magic thing. It's with three novellas you wrote, and well, when, did you, when did the first one come out? Captured, wasn't it, originally, was it? I know we've Cap- animals wondering. Captivated. Yeah. I know everyone knows me and Amanda, we've been dating we've been together for four years, but I've known you for five. And I've got the feeling the third one came out just before we started dating, and the second one came out that same year. So was it 2015, was it, the first one? That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. And I said, it shows you, like, we're talking about this, animals wondering about writing. It's, I'm always a believer, when you're looking back at your earlier work sometimes, sometimes you can end up really squirming at it. And you said to me, Amanda, the Zen, you were really surprised how look at what you had to do, really, haven't you? Yeah, I just, I, I remember the characters and I really enjoyed writing them and creating them and taking them from one place to, by the end of the novel, they've had a complete transformation. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good book. That's what certainly so I've, I've got fond memories in all three of the novellas, so I'm looking forward to seeing about how, it, how it all ties together to the novel now, so... Okay, now, um, otherwise, uh, I've got news, Amanda, haven't I, as well? Yeah. Yeah, on the Sabotar Award that Amanda talked before about, um, you can also nominate uh, a Best Spoken Word Night in England. Speak easy. Our night we cover in Stratford with Steve Smythe. I think I should be nominated. So I'll be, more, I'll be putting more details on all my usual platforms later on as or how to vote for it, as long with printed words. Now, I've bought up my fifth poetry book as well uh, over this past couple of weeks of Monday, haven't I, as well? Yes, so Underground. What, two weeks ago was it? Two weeks ago? A couple of weeks back. Underground haiku, where it's a 50 haiku poem set underground. Mostly wrote over the last year or so in lockdown. So it gives you a feel of how chains, tubes, public transport, and that sort of areas, they're very, very sparse and ghostly at the moment. So... It's what I wanted to write about for a while, and it's came together over lockdown. Now, I'm actually hard at work on my next book as well, Amanda, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah, uh, writing another book of haikus, bizarrely enough, where I'm going to be writing one called Haiku of Life, where I'm writing one with Napoino, and then I'm going to sit down and double-check they're all right, and then release it probably June time. So that'll be 49 haikus. So Busy times, guys, as always. Right, should we move on to books now, Amanda? Yeah, this is a book of your podcast. Oh, no, I thought it was rambling <laughs> on as normal podcasts, isn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> right, okay then. Well, we've got tossed a coin before, um, invertedly. So, Amanda's going to go first this month. And I don't actually know what Amanda's going to read. I've read some. Enlighten me, Amanda. What is the book? Okay. So, it was an audio book and it's called The Shape of Darkness by Laura Purcell. Oh, Laura, yeah. Now, we have, um, it was interesting with Laura Purcell. We actually, uh, well, we've reviewed the first two books together, didn't we? Am I right with that? Yeah. I've not I, read the third I one. don't remember if I reviewed the third because I wasn't very happy with it and I don't think I reviewed it because I didn't want a bad mouth for book. Yeah, well, of course, we'll, we won't do that today. So, obviously, Amanda, what is the blurb of this book about? Okay, so this is the blurb. At the age of the photograph dawns in Victorian Bath, silhouette artist Agnes is struggling to keep her business afloat. Still recovering from a serious illness herself, making enough money to support her elderly mother and her orphan nephew Cedric has never been easy, but when one of her clients is murdered shortly after sitting for Agnes, then another and another, why is the killer seemingly targeting her business? Desperately seeking an answer, Agnes approaches Pearl, a child spirit medium, lodging in Bath with her older half-sister and her ailing father. Hoping that if Pearl can make contact with those who died, they might reveal who killed them. But Agnes and Pearl quickly discover that instead, they may have opened the door to something that they can never put back. Interesting. Okay, um, tone-wise in these books, Amanda, when is this new book of Laura actually set? Um, it says Victorian. Yeah. yeah, she's very does seem to like doing the Victorian books, doesn't she? Because the corset, which sticks to my head the most of her, is her second book. 
that was in Victorian time, and Silent Companions was eighteen early eighteen hundreds. Was it? I'm trying to remember. Now, I can't remember now. Yeah, when was her last? When was the last book set? Then tone was it? That was more modern, was it? Or no, I think they're all in the past sometime. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I I forgot it over time myself. So okay, so what was the tone of this book like then? Did it obviously it's hard to judge. So I'll forget that question. Give us a strength then straight away and jump straight into it. Yeah, the narration was really good. And there was, I can't remember which book it was that she did now, where it was between two female narrators, one in prison and one visiting her. This this felt a little bit like that, with like it was flipping between the two, between Agnes and Pearl. And like showing it from each of their points of view, and then they eventually meet up, and then now their lives become connected. No, oh, cool, cool. Okay, so what else did you like about this book? I think, like, as with her other books, she's she always does it. So when it ties up at the end, there could be like a rational explanation for it, but then there's like a what if, like, that makes you think, well, maybe there is a paranormal reason for what's just happened here and it's never straightforward and usually the women aren't necessarily good but they're not necessarily bad either then I'm not going to give anything away about the twist at the end but I, I really enjoyed it I think it worked anyway oh that's good then so was it quite a long book this one was it I can't remember how long it took me to listen to it now but it didn't take that long I was just okay. listening a little bit every day in the in the morning before you got up while I was up at like two o'clock in the morning. So yeah, no one's under Amanda. <laughs> that is a normal procedure. Straight away. So oh, that's interesting. So interesting. So so what um, what was he said before? There the the not get my work teeth out. He said the narration was mostly between two women, wasn't it? So what was the journey yeah. like for both these? Was it quite a good journey, did you think? Characters. Yeah, I think so. It's like it gradually unfolded as it went along. And like what you thought you knew, you don't know whether it was actually turned out to be something different. But um, I don't want to give anything away because I want people to read it and be surprised when it happens. Yeah, yeah, no, of course, we don't want to, we don't want to put it But it's, it's, never, it's never straightforward anywhere with uh, books, I don't think. There's always something that you weren't expecting. Yeah, yeah, no, of course, I get you that. So, so did you, and obviously, um, before we go into that little marking then, do you want to go give us the weaknesses of the book? Uh, not so much weaknesses. I just don't think it was quite as good as her first two books, but it was a lot better than the third book. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you that then. So, so can you give us some reasons why perhaps you might think it was a bit weaker than all? Was there anything that really stood out to you then? I just don't think it was so scary. I think with the Silent Companions, I think that was really scary. And of course it was a bit as well. But this, yeah, I think bit. it just... <laughs> it, just lacked, it just lacked the scariness, I think. Or maybe I'm just like, you know, like... I don't know, so used to weird stuff now, I don't know. <laughs> well, you live with me, so I can't say it all straight away, doesn't it? So. <laughs> what do you like? Anyway, okay, cool. So, okay then. There's not, is there anything else you need to say about the book for your markets? No, I don't think so. Okay, then. What mark are you giving us out then? So I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10, so it's a recommendation. Oh, yeah, it's a book of recommendation. Always, always good to hear stuff like that. So, well, good stuff. So, Okay, guys and girls, well, that's the end of part one. Okay, uh, what would Amanda like as a hint then for book two? I don't know. I don't know what book you have, so... Mine's an escape book, this next one. Yeah, so I'll escape both. We have the break, and then you'll be yeah. here on your own, then. Exactly, I'll do this. Amanda's now in the kitchen, and I'll have a big piece of chocolate cake, aren't you? Easter egg. Oh, Easter egg cake, that's more like it, yeah. So, right, see you in a minute, guys. Say so. Bye, uh, Amanda. Bye. Uh, reading and reading in bed. Welcome back to Reading in Bed with me, Amanda Steele, and... I am, of course, the one and only Amanda Steele. 
Course, not Andy. you as well. I think I think there's enough enough Amanda Steele's around at the moment, don't oh, you? <laughs> yeah, service A's courses Andy Steele. Oh yeah, everyone's worried why there's other Amanda Steele's knocking around. There is an, a vampire. Is a vampire werewolf right knocking on? Where, werewolf erotica. Yeah. Yeah, it's not this Amanda. I promise you that now, right? She do, might do erotica, but it's not that kind of erotica. <laughs> So no, if and, I'm going to write that, it's going to be taking the Vicky out of it, not as a serious genre. Sorry, if that's yeah. what you like. <laughs> anyway, okay, on to my first book of the month. Right, okay, Amanda, what do you want to know? What's the title? Okay, the book is by Michael Morpurgo, and I have done a book review in a book of his before. I forgot which one it was now, but he's most famous doing a book. Um, the Someone called the War Horse. Have you ever heard of that? I have heard of that actually. It was made into a film, wasn't it, a while back? Yeah, yeah. I've not seen the film much. The book's really good. This is not the War Horse. I'm doing um one of his more a more one of his books called Escape from Shangla. Okay. What do you want to know? Do you want to read the blurb first? Yes, please. It, it's a gripping and heartfelt war story from Britain's best-loved children's author, Michael Morpurgo. Turned away by his own son, Kessie's long-lost grandfather finds himself in the place he fears most of all, a nursing home called Shangla. Only Kessie loves him and is determined to help him escape and unravel the truth of his past. A past that comes to him only glimpses, a lifeboat, a tin of condensed milk, a terrifying Nietzsche night on the beaches of Dunkirk in World War II. Former children's laureate and award-winning author of War Horse, Michael Murpoiko demonstrates why he is considered to be the master storyteller with his tale of strife and loss in World War II. Okay, so do you want to start with the strengths then? Yeah, it's, it's a very slender book, this one, tells you, but it's... It's got one of those books where it's got quite a big lot of supporting cast, but the story is mostly focused around four characters. Cassie, an 11-year-old girl, her dad, Arthur, and her mum. This compact family's unit relationship is changed when Arthur's dad, Popsicle, after being separated from Arthur 50-odd years ago, appears. And it starts off really because um, he gets found and they've not been speaking to years, Arthur and his dad, but he gets found he's suffering from an illness, which was apparently reporting because of a stroke. And he eventually gets placed in Shangla, a care home. Okay. Did that happen to carry on? Yeah. Okay. The strengths of the book, obviously, are between Popsicle and his relationship with Kessie, which is very touching, really quite emotive sort of book for that, really. And it the base of the book is about relationships. It's a teaching book, and he's very, very good at this, Michael Morpurgo, talking about relationships between children and elderly people, which the other book of his I reviewed, I've forgotten it, based set on an island, about um, when the whales come, it was called. And that was touches on a lot of very similar ground to this one, so there's no whales in this book. <laughs> so, but he's building a book about relationships. He's teaching us to be more tolerant, learn how to forgive and accept for young mistakes made in the past. Now, as a book, I don't think it's a patron. Why, why the whales come? Which I know every pod reading in bed. Because that book had a much more darker emotional feel on the island. But the same themes are present in this book, like love and understanding. Okay, so how long does it take you to read that then? It won't long. Because it's, um, it's ironic, the two books that I read, and the war horse is probably about the same. So it was a while since I read the war horse. They're all about 200 pages, just over 200 pages. So I've read this in that week. It's not it, too bad. So it's easy enough to get through then. Yeah, the, well paced, well paced little book because it's aimed at children, don't see the books are. But they are sort of books where I think they cross over really well so adults can get some enjoyment out of it as well. Because he is very, very good at writing about landscapes and islands seem to. Float really well with him and made me wonder whether I don't I don't know much about his background, whether he's brought up on a, a little island like this. It feels like it was to me. So, is there anything you want to say before you move on to any bad points? No, I've covered, covered all the strengths. It's worth. There's a lot in it. Where there's, there's a lot of movement in this book, and 
the relationship between Arthur and his dad in it at the beginning, it made me think of a few people I know who's had that sort of problems with absent parents over the years. So it was, was quite heavy, hard hitting, but they went for the journey. They were the covered A to Z quite well, I felt in it, John. Would you like some weaknesses? Yeah. It could have been teased out a bit more because I think you think really when it's 200 pages, it's not, you've got to cover ground pretty quick sometimes, haven't you, with that sort of length? Yeah. I think with this one, it perhaps could have been teased out a bit more. And, but that's not a bad thing. But the ending I saw coming a mile off. But again, when you're dealing with children's books, you're not going to have twists coming every five minutes, really, are you? So. No. I'll have a murderer that pops up and then just kills everyone. <laughs> or as um, happened in Reason Bed Extra, uh, Reading Bed, it's not Reading Bed, printed word submissions, Reason, but somewhere a cat jumped out of nowhere and somebody, didn't it? Oh, that was good, though. It was unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> unexpected. <laughs> That's why, but this book, it was um, the emotional baggage between uh, the father and his son at the end of it. it Made sense really because there's only I don't think they could have done it any other way, Trooper told you. And it was um the bizarre thing that it was, I've got to tell you this Monday, it was a step too far in it at one point where Popsicle went over to France to go and deal with his past. And he basically had an old road, but it was an old sailor the look of things. And what he did was he gave him his granddaughter went over. And he went and got a load of people from this residential nursing home. So they're all on this boat, pegging it over to, over to France. And I just felt, you know what I mean? They're all like got dementia and clearly on the way, been very, very ill people. A boat full of them like that. And I thought of it. It was a bit, you know what I mean? It can get a bit unrealistic at some times, can't it? So, yeah. That's why. But no, no, I didn't. I, I, I was a lovely book. It really was. So that's why. So definitely that. So. I was really, really pleased with it, so and I really enjoyed it, so. so okay, so that's it. What mark would you give it out of ten? Then? It's an eight. It's an eight. I did like I said it, it wasn't as good as the Why the Whales came because that had a real much more darker feel to it, but and also the War Horse. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was just it was a charming and very engaging book, basically. And it was quite a nice one to read. It was very easy to read. It was. Okay, so it's a recommendation. Go out and buy it and read it. Yep, read it away. So, okay, well, that's the end of part two, guys. When we return with part three, Amanda, what hint have you got for us? Something inside the walls. <laughs> You're next. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is, that, is that my hint? Is it? I don't know. Book it is even so. <laughs> right guys and girls as always with us hang around and we shall see you in a minute well Amanda shall explain what's in the walls and where it does say you're next does it say uh, you're next does it say you're next you're Amanda? next you're next oh, oh we know you're next Amanda anyway aren't you so. right see you in a minute say bye Amanda seriously bye we didn't read in bed Hey guys, we've just been doing parody on Gladiator, if anyone's seen that. So, Rita, are you ready? I can't do that again, it hurt my fur. I was trying to mimic Wolf and screaming ready at the top of my voice and it hurt. Of course, this is Andy, that's Amanda. Now it's Amanda's turn now for book number two. Over to you, Amanda. Okay. Okay, so this is called Girl in the Walls, and it's by A.G. Groves. And do you want me to read the blurb? Oh, uh, yes, yes, please, yes, please. Girl in the Walls is a story of overcoming grief, of unconventional friendships and learning what we that we shouldn't always fear what we don't understand. It is about understanding the difference between a house and a home and what it means to lose both. She doesn't exist. She can't exist. Elise knows every inch of the house. She knows which boards will creak. She knows where the gaps are in the walls. She knows which parts can take her in, hide her away. It's home, after all. The home her parents made for her. And home is where you stay no matter what. Eddie is a teenager now, almost grown up. He must no longer believe in the girl he sometimes sees out the corner of his eye. He needs her to disappear. 
But when his fierce older brother senses her too, they are faced with the question of how to get rid of someone they aren't sure even exists. And if they cast her out, what other threats might they invite into their home? Cool. Now, what made you want to go for this book, Amanda? So this was another pigeonhole book. They should sponsor me, really. They should start sponsoring this podcast. Yes, <laughs> definitely should be. The amount of books you get over pigeonhole. So, right, so before we go into the strengths and weaknesses, we've been a pigeonhole book then. Over what period of time did they give you this book then? Because pigeonhole, everyone's wondering, is like a website that gives you what a book to read spread out over a certain amount of days normally. So how long did they give you to read this one, Amanda, then? The average is usually 10 days. I think this was about 10 days as well. Yeah, but so you do always tell me as well with pigeonholes, some books, when they do that, whether they're good or bad, we'll come on to that in a minute. Some of them take you much longer than others to read. And was this one where the extracts were quite lengthy or was it quite quite nicely paced? I've come to learn now that a pigeonhole will usually say that it'll take you 20 or 30 minutes a day, but it ends up taking nearly an hour. So I don't know how fast they expect me to read. Yeah, that sounds that sound believable, knowing that pigeonhole. So, <laughs> but that one definitely. So, so we're right, actually so 10. Okay. Do you want to go into the strengths, then, Amanda? So, it was quite a spooky sort of thing. It was, it was very slow to get started, but that kind of built up like a suspense and what you thought was going to happen. Because at first, you just see her like she moves around the wall and it shows you the family from her perspective. And luckily, it didn't spend all 10 days just like her inside the walls and moving around and watching the family. It did progress from that. And in between it, to kind of keep you interested, there was like this email from this mystery person that sounded like a crazy person that kept ranting about people in the walls and what to do when you find them and pinning them down and making them pay and stuff like that. And you don't find out until further into the book who this person is and what the deal is. And then it gets really scary. You start worrying about the family and the girl who's living in the walls and what's going to happen. And they were saying, who's next? <laughs> was it, oh, you're next. Now, who's central character in this book, then? Do you reckon? Or was it a bit of an ensemble cast? I think she's probably the central character because she's the girl in the walls. So it's in the title. So, But... Very close is Eddie, who's just turned into a teenager, who's the son of the people who live in the house now. And what's happened, I could give this much away, because it tells you this early on. Elise, the girl who lives in the walls, her parents both died and she got sent somewhere else to live and she ran away and went back to the house. And then this new family moved in and because she knew the house, she wanted to stay there and she started living inside the walls and stuff and coming out when they were all out and eating and then going back inside the walls. Really creepy, that. Did you think, I know you like your books really frightening. Was this a particularly frightening book, was it, for you, do you think? It was creepy when this mystery guy who was been sending the emails showed up and it was just really creepy just the way he acted. I'm not going to say much more than that. Yeah, yeah, no, I get you completely with it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I get you. But I'm not going to ask you more. But there's not a lot else I can really ask you. So, how did is there anything else you need to touch on, uh, strengths wise? Are we going to weaknesses? Yeah, what I liked about this book, and it's not really mentioned what the condition is or the diagnosis, but Eddie, who's just turned into a teenager, the way that he acts and things like that, it was almost like he's got autism, the way he acts and reacts to everything. And it's nice oh, yeah. just to sort of see that kind of character, but not to put a tag on it and just to have the character in there. And if you recognise those traits, you know, you see them. But if you don't, you don't. It's still just as good a character. Yeah, so it's not like they, they, they didn't actually go for, obviously, all the usual cliches and they with that then. So but it's easy nothing to do that sort of badly, isn't it? So it sounds like they did it okay then, didn't it? So. Yeah. Good. No, good. That sounds good to me. So, okay, then. Do you want to go into the weaknesses? I think the only weakness was just the way it was a bit slow to start with. I know that was to sort of build up the tension, but I think they could have sort of cut a little bit out of it and still not lost anything. Yeah, yeah. 
Now I'm getting completely with that. So yeah, it's it just one of those things where some books go, they're going too long, don't they? So yeah, so I get you that. So well, I'd like, so okay then. If that's it, Amanda, then. Yeah. What mark are you going to give this book? Then? I'm giving it an eight out of ten. Ooh, recommendation. Now we notice there, we started off with a seven. We went to an eight. What? We, what another eight? Now the big question, Amanda, is on book four. Will it go? What? Or we go? What do you reckon? Oh, it'll be it'll be seven out of ten the next one. Have we ever done? <laughs> I know we're digressing a bit here. Have we ever done a zero out of ten? No, because I think that if we read a book that would rate zero out of ten, we just won't mention it on the podcast because it'd be completely torn apart and we'd f- feel really bad about it. Well, I would anyway. I don't know about you. You Problem. might just enjoy turning it apart. Oh, no, I'm not that cruel. I'm not that cruel. <laughs> not that cruel. I, mean, I know we, you did have a book once. It's worth backtracking his guys, actually. Where you had a podcast, you had a book once, Amanda. We actually declined to name it, didn't you? Yeah, well, we just did it as a feature. It's like how not to write a book. Yeah. And now they've got to page 16 as well. And I still got lots of material out of what not to do. If I'd been able to read the whole book, which is just it was too bad I couldn't get through it, it's like who knows how much material I could have come up with. <laughs> exactly. And then a size story for another day. So, okay, guys and girls, well, that is. The end of part three already. You're next, Amanda, aren't you? You're next. Only you're next, aren't you? You're next. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is me. Okay, do you want a hint? Yeah. Truths. Truths and lies. Right, well, that's your hint. You'll get that in part four. If If you hang around, guys. See you all in a minute. Say bye, Amanda. Bye. I'll come back to reading in bed. And guess who's next? <laughs> it's Amanda. No. It's me. Okay. <laughs> At least I think it's me, Amanda. Anyway, so if it's not, it's tough. I'm going next anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Um, do you remember last month, Amanda, I read out a read review of a book by a lady called Michelle Cox? I'll probably remember. Yeah, this I just was. Don't now. It was basically um, a Detective Clive and Henrietta mystery book set in Chicago in the 1930s. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a uh, lady. The book is A Ring of Truth by Michelle Cox, and it's book two in the Inspector Howard and Henrietta series. Read the first one last month, and I've, I'm actually due to speak to Michelle actually in next week too. So, so I thought, well, I'll be, it was a good idea to carry in reading the series. And I've read the first two, and I've got the third one to read. Might do it next month. So, what do you want to know? Okay, start with the blurb. Okay, in the, the second book of this series, Henrietta and Clive delightfully rewrite Pride and Prejudice with a hint of mystery. Newly engaged. Clive and Henrietta now begin the difficult task of reaching each other's families. Difficult because Clive has neglected to tell Henrietta he is in fact the heir to the Arwood estate and fortune when Henrietta has just discovered her mother has been hiding secrets about their past as well. When Clive brings Henrietta to, to his family estate to meet his parents, they are less than enthusiastic about it, it but is impoverished intense, intended. Left alone in his extraordinary new world when Clive returns to the city, Henrietta finds her more at home with the servants and the family, much to the disapproval of Mrs. Howard, and soon gets caught up in the disappearance of an elderly servant's ring, not realising in doing so she has become a part of a bigger, dark plot. As Clive and Henrietta begin to discover the truth, the two different worlds unravelling around them, they are both left to wonder, are they meant for each other after all? So, do you want to start with the good points then? Yeah, well, the first book, I know I mentioned last month, the first book is an incredibly vivid book set around most sort of dancing halls in Chicago in the 1930s. This one, I think it was Chicago, anyway, um, this one goes different, it goes in a very different direction. It goes much more towards downtown Abbey and upstairs, downstairs sort of feel. It definitely plays around with that way. 
um, a lot of the book, Henrietta's actually with Clive's parents in this massive mansion. And basically in it, it's that very upstairs, downstairs sort of territory and Downton Abbey, the first first half of the book. And it, yeah, it's enjoyable, but it's, you know what I mean? With some books in the series, Amanda, they're not always as good, are they? Sometimes sequels. What do you, what do you reckon with sequels sometimes the books? Sometimes they're better. Sometimes they're a bit disappointing. Yeah, this one is this not a bad book when I structure for. It just seemed to lack a little bit of vividness because of the way she seemed to have Chicago down to T in the first book. This one is much more like a big upstairs, downstairs sort of thing. It was okay. It was enjoyable. It, the first half of the book, it took a while to get going, I think. Because mm. I think when you're moving from one extreme to another, you've got to then build up again and... I felt I felt it was just a bit of a slower start, but it got going. It was really good, but I liked the two main characters, and I liked the fact it made sense for them to both meet Clive's parents, and then they got as far as having the engagement party in the book. But I think it got better when we then started meeting Henrietta's family again that were in the first book, and I liked a lot of the. I've seen to like their family more because this they're more developed more, and perhaps Clive's family were so. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Enjoyed stuff. Okay, so anything else that you want to say about it that you enjoyed? Yes, um, I like the mystery in it, Richard, because the mystery, obviously, the book itself is called, I accept yeah, A Ring of Truth. And it, there is a very minor mystery in it, but it leads into something bigger later on, where a, a ring goes missing from a very, very elderly servant. And while Clive's back reads policing job in the city, Henrietta gets dragged into the mystery around that around the with the servants. And it the weakness of that bit is I think she showed her an experience because I'm a friendly very young girl. But there was it seemed to pull the narrative along a bit more until Clive came back to the second half of it. So yeah. Do you want some weaknesses? Yeah. Okay. This was a bit there's an odd one here, really. This comes down to this one really comes down to I think where it must have been the publishers, this one. Because the book itself is advertised at 305 pages, okay, on the Kindle. Yeah. Well, it flowed along nicer with the book, but then not moving along from 305, I was then surprised to get 50 pages in the preview of the third book. Yeah. Not 10 or 20 pages, 50 pages, which kind of ruined the massive cliffhanger from the end of the second book. Which I'm not sure if it's a good move doing it that way. Now, what's your opinion on that, Amanda? I've seen people who really hate it when this happens because I've seen like this get into the ma- mindset, I'm going to get this amount of pages. And then with like maybe five or 10% left, it suddenly ends. And then they realize that they've got a whole different thing to me that's not that book at the end. And I know they feel cheated sometimes. Yeah, it didn't bother me too much. Like the book was advertised as 305, but it stayed at 305. But then, like, it just didn't, the page number didn't move on to this 50 extra page. I just found it. It was a bit odd, really. But but saying that, no, no, I said it was just weird because, like, you get left a good cliffhanger and you think, I'd rather not sure if I'd known that. But I think the weaknesses of why the, the subplot involved in the stolen ring, it did feel a bit flat in one or two places. But like I said, the book didn't outstay its welcome, so it didn't drag it out. You know what I mean? Some books, if you put that extra 50 to 100 pages on it, it would have probably been definitely too much. Yeah. What's your opinion on books like that where it's best sometimes where having if you leave it a bit more concise, like this book is 305 pages, or do you expand it and expand it to drag it out a bit more? I think I would just leave it. Yeah, I would. I think less is more. That's what's worth well, both these first two books I've done today. Uh, right, yeah. I was hoping, um, to be honest, I found, I found Henry, Henrietta's character with the servants in this one. She was a bit reckless again. And you'd hope, it's similar as it was in the first book, she's jumping into these dangerous situations. And I think once you've been nearly killed once, I don't know if I'd have wanted to do it again if I'd been her. I thought perhaps in the third book in the series, you'd hope she'd be trusted, a little less trusting, but <laughs> hey-ho. Okay, so anything else you want to say? No, no, I've covered everything now, really. So what do you give it out of 10, then? What do you reckon? 
I think it's going to be a recommendation. Yeah, it's a seven. I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. It was nice because nice um, when I read this one and obviously the previous book, I was reading both at Denton Cricket Club on the back of us after work over about a week and a half and or two weeks, and it was it was nice, nice sunny days, spring days, and they were, they were nice to sit there, just enjoying them, enjoying reading. So, so a good seven out of ten. Yeah, get it. Worth it, guys. Okay. That's it. All right, Amanda. When we come back, we're already. Would you believe you're ready for this? We're at part five. That means your third book of the book. Do you give us any hints? We're going to Mirrorland. You're next. Is that, is that a comment? <laughs> yeah, you're is next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God, we're getting ridiculous. Into Maryland. Ooh. Right. Hang around, guys. We shall see you in a few minutes then. Say bye, Amanda. Bye. Read in a bed. Read in a bed. Welcome back to part five of definitely episode 40 of Reading in Bed. I am Andy N. And I'm Andy N as well. Oh, blimey. See, we've got two Manda Steels before. <laughs> I, d- I don't think there's a two Andy Ns on there, is there? No. I know, so. See how you, see how you like having an evil clone? <laughs> you have got one. You've got about three, haven't you? Yeah, let's not get started with that. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're not better starting that one. There's, there's, anyone goes around researching Amanda Steel, there is other Amanda Steels knocking around. Some of them. Evil clones. I'm the original. <laughs> Some of them almost definitely um, unorthodox, to put it bluntly to you. So, right. But anyway, this Amanda Steele, do you want to tell us, first of all, then, what this book is called? Okay, so it's called Miverland, and it's by Carol Johnstone. Okay, and how did you find this book, then? This was another pigeonhole book. Oh, you and your pigeonhole books, blimey. <laughs> no, no, cool, cool. So... So, give us the blurb. Okay. Cat lives in Los Angeles, far away from 36 Westerwick Road, the imposing Gothic house in Edinburgh where she and her estranged twin sister, Elle, grew up. As girls, they invented Mirrorland, a dark imaginary place under the pantry stairs full of pirates, riches and clowns. These days, Cat really thinks about their childhood home, or the fact that Elle now lives there with her husband, Ross. But when Elle mysteriously disappears after going out on her sailboat, Kat is forced to return to 36 Westerwick Road, which has scarcely changed in 20 years. The grand old house is still full of shadowy corners, and at every turn, Kat finds herself stumbling on long-held secrets and terrifying ghosts from the past. Because someone, Elle, has left Kat clues in almost every room, a treasure hunt that leads right back to Mirrorland, where she knows the truth lies, crouched and waiting. A twisted, dark and brilliantly crafted thriller about love and betrayal, redemption and revenge. Mirrorland is a propulsive, page-turning debut about the power of imagination and the price of freedom. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, well, let's ask you a question then to begin with this one then. Over the, pre- that, the previous pigeonhole book, was this, a very, was this over 10 days as well, then, was it? This was over 12 days, but on the on one of the days, they had something else that was so good, I can't even remember what it was. So, <laughs> oh, so what do you mean, they, they took a day in the middle of it, then, basically? Did they? Yeah, they were like, I think it was something about, I think, oh, it was pictures, that's, it was pictures of what the house that was based on um, the house that the twins had grew up in. With like bars on the window, and it was all a bit random, and a chance to win a signed copy and stuff like that. I don't really know what that was all about. And then it went back to the proper steps then for the other 11 days. Oh, well, that's a bit weird in the middle of it, isn't it? straight away. So that is very unusual, straight away. So, but it's like, it makes you wonder sometimes when they do this something, they do it just to try and confuse you, don't they? Yeah, because I, I logged in and I was all ready for my reading for the day, and then that came up, and I was like, oh, okay, then. <laughs> Bizarre. So anyway, okay, that been the case, Amanda. We better ask you then. What? What were your strengths of this book? 
So I enjoyed the flashes between the past and the present. So Kat is the twin that's had to come back from America because her twin sister Elle's gone missing. And she's in the house where they grew up together. So she keeps remembering, she gets the clues and stuff like that. And she keeps having to remember things that happened when they were in the childhood home together. And then you see how it links to now and how the two of them became estranged. Because normally if you think twins, you'd think they'd be really close. But they've been living in different countries for about 12 years, I think it was. Yeah, that is spoken to each other. Yeah, well, they're not exactly going to... The odds on me, if I'm that something, they're not exactly going to be closer now, they so. That's straight away. Now I get you on that. Oh, interesting, interesting. So, okay, tell us about the pacing of the book. How did you think that? Was it quite an easy book to read then, was it, over split over 12 days? I've noticed some of the reviews, people didn't like it because I think it was quite slow to get going. But I think that was the point where you just get to know, like, the characters and, like, what happened and... It was a confusing, I think, in parts, but if you stick with it, it's like you get rewarded because you find out like what happened and you start to understand it then as it unfolds. And there were quite a lot of twists in it and they, they all seem to work, I think. Yeah, I think sometimes when you do this little book where there's lots of twists in it, um, you can overdo it sometimes because you've got to try and keep people's interest, haven't you? Yeah. But it sounded like to me that it kept your interest pretty good then, didn't it? So. Yeah, because the second to last, Dave... People wasn't sure if it had finished because it felt like a natural end. And then they thought, they didn't know, like, when they came for the last one, the 12th one, the next day, if that was going to be, like, an extra thing and there was going to be another twist or if it was going to be a repeat of the earlier one where there was something else waiting for them instead. Hmm. Interesting. No, it sounds like it sounds like then straight away, doesn't it? So, like, there's been plenty of thoughts out in this book. Who was the main central character then? That was Kat, who was the twin that's had to come back from America. So even though you see Elle quite a lot in flashbacks and she's fought and talked about quite a lot, you don't really see her because she's gone missing. So I'm not going to tell you what happens there. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. Interesting, interesting, indeed. So, okay, moving on then, Amanda. Um, what was the backing cast of the book like? Was it was it quite a good backing cast as well, was it, did you think? Yeah, there was quite a lot of characters and like the main one, apart from the twins, was Ross, who is actually a friend when they were children and they grew up together and I think they lost touch for a little bit and got back in touch again and they had a falling out because they both liked him and he ended up marrying Elle, who's the one that's gone missing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, interesting. And, interesting. and he, he's not all that he seems to be either, so watch out for him. He's watch. a woman. <laughs> Is he a monster? <laughs> he's a Ronan. <laughs> so he's going around the book saying, you're next. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't do that because I know we've been a bit cruel there, to be honest. I'm taking the mickey out of this book, but so ignore me. I do apologise for that when everybody, but no, no, interesting. Interesting that Monday straight away. So, okay. Um, is there anything else you need to, you need to cover them before we move on to the weaknesses? Seriously. Um, no, there's nothing else to cover. I've only really got one small weakness apart from the slowness of it at the beginning. Okay, go for it then. I thought it would be scarier because there's actually a quote from Stephen King that managed to get a quote and he recommended it. So right. I thought it would be scarier. So it's chilling in parts, but it's very much based on... like things that can happen in real life rather than like a big scary monster or haunting or anything like that. Hmm. Yeah, it, it does ask a question this one, Amanda. Let me ask you this question to conclude with this part. Sometimes when you get to the stage where like it was a, a big name author appears on it like that, it does make you wonder, doesn't it, what sort of context did they get the quote from? Yeah. I've seen one the other day, uh, not on any of the books we reviewed, but of somebody else's book. And it has a quote from Stephen King on it. And sometimes I wonder if, if they've taken the quote from something else and just used it in their book, because Stephen King still said it, just not about their book. Yeah, there was a case where, um, do you remember, um, I've got to be careful what I say here, um, do you know a certain poet that we know that got a quote of Paul Auster? 
Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to name the guy because it's ingenious what he did. And this is something to bear in mind with the context there. And we know we're off topic a bit, but it makes you wonder this one. Where he went and went to a big book reading, Paul Austin, of his last fiction novel. And he was talking to Paul Austin. And Paul said, I admire you over this gentleman about his writing. And he said to him, Oh, can I use that in the quote of the back of my next book? What was your Bob, Bob was your uncle? <laughs> yeah. You know that? Said, it's where the context it comes from sometimes. It's a bit. It's a bit unorthodox sometimes. Yeah, but. I, I believe the quote for this book, but it's just I have seen books recently and I've just thought, you know, have you just taken that and he still said that, but it's not about your book. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get sometimes. It does make, really makes you wonder, doesn't it, sometimes, man, to know where things come from sometimes. But like I said, guys, it's just it's a fascinating thing where they get this sort of stuff from. So, Brandon, man, just to clarify again, what mark are you giving this book out of 10? I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. And we can tell, recommendation. A good, strong recommendation. Right, man, do you reckon we'll be getting another recommendation in a minute? Hope so. All right, oh, right. who knows? So, with my answer, because it's me that's reviewing the next book. So, so do you want to the hints of me, Amanda? Yeah. Okay, crime. We're off to the scene of the crime next. You're next. <laughs> well, poor person in this does. Definitely, that's why. So, right, guys and girls, we'll just see you in a minute. Right, Amanda, what were you going to say to everybody? You're all next. Oh, you two are. <laughs> say bye, Amanda. Bye. Read in a bed. Read in a bed. Welcome back to Read in a Bed with me, Amanda Steele. And I am Andy. Okay, onto the big finale now for this month of Mandra, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, I'm doing a, not a novel today. This I don't take a graphical novel. Because anyone knows me, I love graphical novels, and this this one is come up as a big reissue in February. And I had the original comics. Certainly, I wanted to get I to get it for the to get it as a graphical novel on it. I picked it up. It wasn't that expensive from a very famous bookshop, shall we say? So, what do you want to know, Amanda? Um, the name of it first would help. Okay. It's called The Scene of the Crime. Do you want to tell you the crew that are involved in it? Yeah. It's written by a gentleman called Ed Brookenbender, with art by an American artist called Michael Lark, and a quite a localish artist called Sean Phillips. And I do need to okay. state for the camera, Amanda, this is a review of the 2021 reissue of the graphical novel. It was out about 12 years ago, it was out, and the original version is quite different. Okay, so is there blood for it? Yes, there is. From the co-creators of Gotham Central and Fatal, and comes a lost crime noir masterpiece. Scene of the Crime was the first time Ed Brookenbender and Michael Lark worked together for their acclaimed runs in Daredevil and Gotham Central. And it was inked by Sean Phillips, who then went on to do all kinds of work with Ed Brookenbender as well. This is where it all began, with a hard-hitting mystery story, a modern-day Chinatown that gathered nomination to Best Miniseries and Best Writer in the 2000 Eyes Awards. Okay. okay. So, you want to start with any good points? Yeah, yeah, there's quite a bit. I can say about this, actually, to you as well. Okay, strengths. Right, I do need to give a trigger warning on this review before we carry on, because some of the topics in this aren't particularly nice. That needs staying, okay, for sexual content. Now, okay. that comes into weaknesses. I've got all the comics original from this, all to a short run in 1999. It was a four-issue comic miniseries, and I can't remember what actually drew me to us at the time with the comic shops, although... I do, did know Sean Phillips's work before that. I became a big fan of the two artists and two writers, two artists and writers afterwards. Now, the main there's two stories in this book. The main one is a little called "Little Piece of Good Night," where we meet PI Jack Herriman, who gets approached to look for a missing girl by her mother and sister, both of which haven't heard from her for a while. Now, it's really interesting this really because. I loved that. The first chapter is brilliant because 
I don't want to give too much away, Amanda. You know what I mean? Something to do with mysteries. You best give it, yeah. get the spoilers down. But I loved the twist at the game at the end of part one, where Jack Kerryman had gone and tracked down somebody that was vital to the case and sends at the end of it, basically, I think it was a single PI and he met this woman and who was going to be vital to the case. And he said to me, at the end of it, I thought, this is going to be the beginning of a great friendship, hinting there could be more. And then the next line, next paragraph, it says, was all the material because she was dead in the morning. So it was like it started off, you know what I mean, in terms of the murder mystery pretty quickly. So, but it was this book's because I knew it was 20 years old and it's wordy. Because if you, if you ever read graphical novel, you've read um, that um, one by Stephen Kingston, haven't you? Um, you know, the one we saw the TV series of, not The Ring. Oh, uh, Lock and Key. Lock and Key, yeah. Now, you, I'm going to do it's a weird comparison, but Lock and Key, I've read a bit of it. When you read that, Amanda, it was that the dialogue was quite wasn't tons of it, was it? On the page, no. This one's wordy, very, very, very wordy, but it comes along nicely. And a lot of it is there's a lot of mystery to delve through in this, and it only really comes apparent at the end of it. But there was plenty of hints going along as you go along. You've got to pay attention to it. Now, the second piece in it, there's a short piece that comes straight after that was published as a prologue for this called Gods of Sinners, which the detective and his uncle and his uncle's wife go and stop him in front of an auntie over Christmas and he gets dragged into a little murder mystery there. And that's only 10 pages long and it's a really beautiful piece. It's probably better than the, the main four-piece thing, but, but it shows you really how good an ongoing series this could have become. But it's one of those sort of things where Amanda, it got dragged down by politics, unfortunately. It never happened, so... Yeah. Okay. So, Stanley, well, good points with my uh, uh, no, pieces. The, graphic, the graphics are great. Graphics are great because it's a red, they're a good team. Michael Ark's done, he did a great run, Daredevil, and he's also doing a series at the moment called Lazarus, which I think is tremendous. And Sean Phillips has gone on to doing Criminal Marvel Zombies. Have you ever read that, Amanda? Have you? Oh, I think I've seen it about. Yeah, Marvel's Zombies is well worth it. getting. I, I hope Marvel TV are going to do, 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 do an animated version of that because it'll get bloody. But he's also done <laughs> lot, lots of other stuff. He's a fantastic artist. So it's weaknesses time. Okay. Okay. Now, this is where the trigger warning comes in again. I need to advise people if you're going to be still listening at this point, you might want to skip a couple of minutes here. Okay. Now, while the book is moody and the graphics are great, it's very, very well wrote but wordy, the plot does cover paedophilia and incest in potentially quite graphic detail. And for that warning, that thing is not for everybody as a word of warning. And I've been serious here. It is very wordy also, and it is quite slow for a comic. But it stands up well for 20 years, probably more now, I think comics changed over the last years. And perhaps if wrote nowadays, it's been accepted well now. It's like I said, it's a difficult one because you. What's your opinion, Amanda? Should be how should you be touching on potential controversial topics like that in comics? Do you think? I don't think so, really. I think even if it's crucial to the plot, I think there's ways you can get round that, and you can kind of like take it to the point where just before it happens, and then afterwards, and you can make it clear what's happened without actually showing it. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't show tons. They didn't show tons of it. It just basically was hinting at more than anything else. But it's sort of thing that's it's up to it's a controversial topic at best. And it is it is vital for the plot. There's no two ways about it. But it's just not, it's just a word of warning. Okay. So that one straight away. I think as an early collection for the three three people in question, because all three of them are new in the career in this, there is a lots of elements shown in later works, and I think it's it's good, but I mean, all three went on to doing better work later. That makes sense. And there's a lot I can say more about this, but it's not. It's a good book. I enjoyed it. Okay, so is there anything more you want to say about no, it? No, not, not at all. Okay. What mark do you reckon I'm going to give this, Amanda? I think you're going to give it a recommendation. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great comic, but it's just it's an adult comic, not a child or child or child comic. comic. Straight away. It's an 8 out of 10. Okay. Straight so away. Go get it. Yeah, go and get it. And it's worth it. So you can get it in quite cheap on Amazon back what price you can. And it's worth it. So, okay. Right. To conclude with today, Amanda, we better. Do you want to give people any hints about what we're going to review next month? Yeah, I think I'll 
We're going to find the one next month. Yeah. Should we tell who the one is by? Yeah. By John Mars. John Mars. Yeah. And and what else? Have you got anything else you've got in mind for next month for reading, Amanda? Yet? Are you still sorting yourself out with that? I'm still sorting it out because I've got one book I'm reading, but I don't know how long it's going to take me to get through that. It's fair enough. Well, I'm halfway through... Well, I'm about 40% into the one, and I'm a little bit more in another book, and my Kindle's not having this at the minute, so... But the other book is called... Another fact is called Sex Lives of Cannibals. <laughs> yeah, that needs an award just for the title. Oh, I know. It's a it's, it's an unusual book. It's very funny in places, but I'm a bit trouble with my Kindle working at the moment, so I can't tell you who that book's actually called. But it's... I, mean, I think if people go to if people go to Amazon though, I think it'll probably come up. But there won't be a ton of books with that title. No, I don't think there will be in that one straight away. It's rather yeah, it's eye opening to put it bluntly to so. But as I said, that's my first two books in next month. I'm not sure on the third yet, so we will see. Anyway, Mandarin, should we let people go and enjoy the rest of the afternoon? Yeah, we've got to eat Easter eggs. Yeah, and. What else are we doing Kebabs. after that? Kebabs. Your kebab Easter, for you, you mean, yeah. Easter, Easter egg. <laughs> yeah, what we're doing is, um, I mean, Amanda's going to get a pizza, or big part of my pizza, put a kebab halfway in it, fold it into a sandwich, and then put some Easter egg in the middle, of, only just to give it yeah, extra special Easter egg kebab. Yeah, see. Now, we, we do like into, we do do like into eating different things over eating in bed, we do, so definitely not. So, right, guys and girls, as always, we shall see you in approximately a month's time, Amanda, won't we? So, as always, yeah. do you want to say bye to everybody? Bye. Read in a bed. 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 Read in a bed.